This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros Podcast. This is part of the Convince and Convert network of podcasts. I'm Randy Frisch with Uberflip. As always, I've got Tyler Lassard joining me from Vidyard. And today we're going to dig into an area that Tyler's really familiar with, video. But I feel like we're going to go a different route because these days, Tyler, I always hear people talk about you know short videos, really snappy videos. It's almost like if it's over a minute, it's too long. But it sounds like there's almost a resurgence of a longer format of video that we can do as a brand or a company, and that's kind of these full-length documentaries. What have you been seeing around in that space? Yeah, you know, it's super interesting, Randy, because we as B2B marketers uh, have seen a lot of investment in that shorter form content and the snackable content, as people refer to it, uh, for things like product explainers and demo videos and thought leadership interviews. Uh, But we're also seeing uh, a lot of activity around longer form content, both in the forms of educational webinars. uh, But to your point, and the topic that we'll dive into today is longer form documentary style content that, you know, in some ways is really customer testimonials on steroids where people are bringing different points of view into the conversation for a meteor piece that really helps to convey the energy and conviction out there in the market uh, in a uh, format that uh, audiences uh, seem to be really resonating with. So to talk about that here today, we have Delaney Turner from Demand Spring. Delaney, why don't you quickly introduce yourself and uh, how you came to be in your role and what you're doing there at Demand Spring? Thanks, Tyler. Hey, Randy, how you doing? It's um, uh, Delaney Turner. I'm Director of Content Strategy at Demand Spring. We are a boutique revenue marketing agency based out of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. We are uh, focused on essentially helping marketing organizations transform their marketing organizations uh, into a revenue driver, moving beyond, uh, you know, giveaways and t-shirts and really, really driving the business from a revenue perspective. So we're really excited about, we work with a lot of transformational and transformative organizations through um, uh, techniques like video and tactics like video. My own path, uh, I've been in B2B technology marketing for at least 15 years. Started way, way, way back at Cognos in the PMS 485 red, uh, red square days uh, through uh, Sojourn at IBM. Went away for a little while, came back. I've been at, Rev- I've been at Demand Spring for about two and a half years now. So uh, it's a really exciting journey. So Delaney, things have changed in those 15 years, as I'm sure many of our folks online will agree. Um, One of the things that I found most exciting about the last, uh, you know, 10, 
five, even the last two to three years in B2B marketing is this rise of storytelling mm-hmm. and creating, you know, more interesting conversations with our audiences that go beyond us talking about our speeds and feeds and to really, you know, building a, a narrative with our audience in a way that a lot of B2C companies have traditionally done. Now, I know you guys have done this with the folks at Akamai uh, on a, an, in a B2B space, creating interesting documentaries, not just two or three minute videos, but 15 minute and longer documentary style content uh, for that market. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and what your role was in those projects at Akamai? Yeah, thanks. It was um, it was quite interesting, actually. The It was a one line pitch that started way back. And it was essentially the idea was, why don't we do uh, a no reservations with uh, Anthony Bourdain? Let's do no reservations, but for gaming technology. Um, I don't know if your audience is familiar with Akamai as a company. They're a large B2B technology content delivery network. They're um, oftentimes the biggest uh, software company that no one's heard of uh, or few people know, but almost everybody, if you're on the web, use Akamai powers or pumps at least 30% of the web traffic and is a major streaming partner to companies like Sony uh, when it comes to uh, Sony PlayStation. If you're playing a game, if you're streaming uh, Sony View, it's coming through the Akamai content delivery network. So they have a really, really innovative history and a very um, uh, awesome, awesome, frankly, an awesome industry that they play in. One of them is online gaming, which uh, is, is a, as an industry, is bigger than uh, movies and music combined. It's a global audience, and it, it draws incredibly from Akamai's network, because everything, the battling those orcs and driving your cars around the racetrack, all of that happens online, and it happens a lot of the time through Akamai pipes. And the thing is about about that kind of technology, is as, as with any B2B technology, is that the purchase, uh, the purchase path is long. It's a very uh, technologically intense sale. Um, and there's a lot of people involved. But what Akamai was really looking to do was raise its game in essentially two levels. They've been facing um, more and more uh, competition, stiff competition from uh, newer upstarts in the content delivery space. Essentially, Akamai invented CDNs, but they've been facing a lot of competition uh, from new upstarts. And the other thing is they're kind of considered, or at least the the creeping perception was that they're not as easy to deal with, uh, from uh, to, to be a customer with. Uh, it's difficult to implement, it's more expensive, and the battle for the quality, delivering a quality experience to uh, your viewers, whether it's uh, playing a game or watching the Olympics, for example, uh, it's a real battle in the trenches. So this was a really an opportunity to elevate uh, the brand, the Akamai brand within, uh, first of all, the gaming community. Uh, our marketing, the marketing director at Akamai is a gentleman named um, Nelson Rodriguez, who is a former games marketer and was really embedded in the community, has really long uh, relationships, very passionate about the community, plays games, has been writing about them. And what he wanted to do was essentially go behind the scenes and look at 
not just the um, not just the technology that delivers the game, which is really where Akamai makes its bread and butter, was really de- delivering the bits that make the game, but really looking at the the online gaming community from a higher level. Because the thing about the gaming community, it is it it is its own community. It's had its own culture. A lot of the gaming company CEOs or CTOs that Akamai sells into are also former gamers. So what really, really counts and really what Akamai was trying to do was uh, reveal the community to the community and show that how Akamai understood the the quirks, the eccentricities, the dynamics, uh, and the passions really that exist within this community. So we looked at, essentially we built a documentary, I'm getting, you know, we built a documentary, it's about 15 minutes long, called The Most Awesome Game. Um, and uh, we we taped it down at GDC, which is one of the big uh, game developer conferences, GDC, down in San Francisco earlier this year in February. And we we talked to game developers, we talked to uh, studio heads, we talked to people who follow the industry and write about it, and looked at three aspects. We looked at game culture. What are the dynamics, the personalities, the passions, the histories of the people who are in this uh, in this space? And we learned some really, really interesting uh, and uh, just some really interesting and insightful things. And then we looked at what does it take to turn that passion, that great nugget of an idea for an awesome game, what does it take to actually develop it? Uh, how do you turn that that vision into code? So what are the trade-offs that you need to make? What kind of experience do you want to deliver? Um, and then essentially going through, uh, you know, you take your, your whiteboard and you turn it into code. There's all kinds of questions, checks and balances, trade-offs that you have to go and considerations that you have to figure out. And then the third part of that is once you've got your game sort of built at a local scale, is how do you bring that game to the world? And you looked at the infrastructure. What are the pipes, the plumbing, the technology, the security, the commerce, all of those components that you need to bring your passion to the world. So if you think about this in sort of a narrative arc or a three-act uh, structure, it's essentially how do you take that passion, that idea that you have that is, you know, you're really excited about and then share it with the world. And then by association, um, it's it's Akamai that makes all of this happen. And the responses so far uh, from the interviewees themselves and also from people who've watched it, the responses have been really, really good. You know, one of the things I find um, interesting here is we did a podcast not that Mm -hmm. long ago with Claire Bird, who uh, was from InVision at the time, and she was the driving force behind a documentary-style film they did in the B2B market called Design Disruptors. And, you know, similar to what you're talking about here, Delaney, Mm -hmm. it was really fueled by this community of users who, you know, had a lot of passion for what they did. They are a lot of people who play different roles, um, but they all sort of shared this passion for their market. Mm-hmm. And I think felt like almost like unsung heroes. And, you know, they came along and, mm-hmm. and did this documentary style film as a way to really put them as the protagonists of the story to create a bigger narrative, a bigger message than, you know, what the individuals yes. were doing to really expose this, you know, market to the rest of the world. Um, but it was really like a celebration of that community mm-hmm. and done in a way that, again, really emotionally connected with others in that market and, and made them feel like a part of something bigger. Um, you know, is that something that you felt, you know, was sort of part of this experience with Akamai or am I out to lunch here? 
Yeah, it's and it's it's some of the insights that people came up with. Uh, we would not have gotten or received or be able to share had we not taken this approach. I mean, there I think there's a there's a role obviously for the two minute customer success story. Here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's the results. But by expanding our, our focus and opening the aperture, we talked to people uh, who were responsible for uh, gaming experience. We talked to somebody in electronic arts, James Berg, uh, probably the same guy. Um, he was talking about what really motivates his development team. And it turns out, it's a great quote that's in the, in the, in the, the documentary. He says, nobody on the creative team cares how many copies of the game we sell. What they want to hear is, Thanks, I loved your game. That that social validation, that that's for them, that's what makes all of the late night uh, Red Bull code crunching sessions really worth it. So, you know, you've got somebody who is responsible for, he's a, essentially a gamer data analyst. He looks at all of the ways that people interact with, you know, any number of Electronic Arts' games, and he has to figure out where are the friction points? Where are people uh, not getting a great experience? Where are people struggling? And how do we mitigate or get rid of those to make a great experience for the users? I mean, gaming, one of the insights that we, we elicited was gaming is, um, you, I think, different from Hollywood is it, that it's very, very focused on what is the experience that the company is delivering to its users. The line between the people who build the game and play the game is very, very thin. So there's really strong relationships between players and gamers. A lot of times it's the same people. So that relationship and that community and, and, and showing that connection and by association, Akamai being essentially the facilitator for this kind of conversation uh, is a really, really powerful way to get um, to, to show not only Akamai's presence in the industry, but also how the depth to which the Akamai understands the dynamics and understands what the concerns that are driving the people who they need to make successful. So we couldn't have done that had we not uh, explored the documentary format. That's really interesting, Delaney. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to you describe almost like a case study, this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it almost feels like an extended case study. And, and I relate to it a lot, even as someone who's, uh, you know, been involved in the sales processes of CDN providers on my end, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. I, and I think I agree with you. To a degree, Akamai and their and the other people in that world have almost become a little commoditized, and it's interesting to see how you know they've grown up as a company and now need to find ways to stand out. So, t- yeah. taking a step away though from Akamai, because I think a lot of people who listen into this podcast are always trying to think about, okay, how do I relate this to me? You know, how do yeah. I? You know, how do I determine if it makes sense for me to go and actually do one of these documentary style formats? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, yeah. you know, maybe you can just give us some of your findings with other clients that you've been having conversations with as to like, when does it make sense to consider this format? Is this the type of thing that, you know, makes sense once you have, you know, large customers and you want to retain them? Or mm-hmm. given that you guys are specialists in revenue generation, can this actually be a revenue generating lead generating type of type of tactic yeah there's a couple of ways that that, that we can answer that we uh, many of our clients are large b2b organizations who are um, new or new-ish to revenue marketing uh, and new-ish to content marketing so it's 
incumbent upon us to find the best, most innovative ways for a company to tell its story. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, B2B technology sales, whether it's a CDN or uh, anything else, it's a very complicated sale. You need to engage a lot of different people. Uh, you need to meet a lot of different concerns and, a lot, and various people at various parts of the buying process. So if you think about um, if you're a demand gen professional and you're responsible for engaging or bringing in net new names or net new leads, the person who you are engaging with, with your, I don't know, your direct mail or your white paper is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of the number of people you need to talk to. And it's very important. I think it's going to be increasingly important for marketers to be able to engage that buying team. And if you think about the members of a buying team as you know characters in a story, you need to provide, you need to help them, everybody in that team feel like they are part of this story and what you are offering as a as a provider helps them be successful so if you've got something like a large uh format or a long format or a, a documentary format it gives you essentially the flexibility and the scope to to deal or address um complicated business challenges from a lot of different perspectives so uh, another documentary as an example we did was, uh, again, for Akamites, but it's called Revolutionaries. It's just out. Uh, it's about the process of distributing television over the internet. So the, the OTT, over-the-top broadcasting, watching TV on your internet. And it's just talking about all of the people that you need to engage. So if you, it's much easier, I think, if you are a marketer to consider how do I engage all of these people at various points in a typical buying process with a single, within the scope of a single content experience. So, and that, if you think about it that way, then you can start to think about, okay, well, what would that experience be? And who are all of the people that I need to talk to? And then what is the big, big story that our company or our solution actually tells? And if you can figure out those two Venn diagrams and over and find the parts where they overlap, then I think documentaries make sense. That's, that's a great perspective. I like that a lot, Delaney. We're going to take a quick break here on Content Pros, hear from a couple of our sponsors, and then we'll be right back mm -hmm. to dig into how we can actually use these assets throughout our marketing campaigns. Mm -hmm. Right back here on Content Pros. Hey everybody, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert reminding you that Content Pros is sponsored by Uberflip, a cloud-based platform that helps marketers like you create personalized content experiences to showcase the content you've created. You, not IT, you can create engaging content hubs that your audiences will love. I use it all the time. My team uses it all the time. With Uberflip, you'll deploy content faster, accelerate your lead gen, and enable your sales team with personalized content throughout the sales cycle. Go to uberflip.com pros, uberflip.com pros to find out how you can be a content pro by showing your company that the content experience matters. The show is also brought to you by my friends at Vidyard, the new generation video platform that helps you unlock the power of video today. Love, love, love Vidyard. Use it all the time. Super easy, interactive, personalized video experiences. You can boost your online conversion rates, track the true performance of your video content well beyond the view count. Visit vidyard.com today to see how you can use video to deliver better results across all of your marketing programs. 
Also wanted to let you know some super exciting news. We've just launched a brand new podcast, a companion to Content Pros. It's called Experience This an unbelievable show all about customer experience and the brighter side of how companies interact with their customers. It's hosted by the amazing Dan Gingas and Joey Coleman. It's at experiencethisshow.com, experiencethisshow.com, or find it on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. You are going to love it. Each week has several different episodes, lots of multimedia, really interesting show. It is going to be a barn burner. If you like content pros, you're going to love Experience This. Give it a listen, won't you? Thanks as always for listening to Content Pros. Now, back to the show. So we're back on Content Pros here with Delaney Turner from Demand Spring, talking all about documentaries and how we can take video formats and do things outside of those short little clips. And one of the things, Delaney, that actually caught me completely off guard is when I knew we were going to talk about this today, I went to Akamai's website. I wanted to try and see if I could find one of these videos. And I was actually shocked to find it on the homepage. I mean, not only are we talking about, you know, these longer format videos and when's the right place to use it, but we're actually using that in this case on the homepage is the first thing we greet people with. And I'm wondering, I mean, you know, Tyler, I'm even wondering, you know, what you guys often see with these longer format videos that people use and, and how you know how long people stick around to watch a watch a, a video like that? Well, it's a great point, Randy. And I was uh, also somewhat surprised to find it right up on the homepage. But I think that's you know a really interesting play, and it speaks back to the power of video and and something like this to really act as a strong top of funnel asset to build brand affinity with people who may be new to your company or to what you do. I mean, picture yourself coming to Akamai's website and you may be expecting a a stodgy legacy kind of enterprise website where it's going to be all about the, the speeds and feeds. But your first impression with their brand is this incredible storytelling and something that, you know, I think personally, when I saw it, it, it changed my perception of who this company might be, right? It really humanized them. And it showed that, you know, they are a part of this broader community and that they appreciate um, these different members out there. And so I think that it was a, a really smart play. And we see more and more people in general using video content right up at the homepage, right on the top level of their solution and product pages as a way to humanize themselves, humanize their brand, um, but also start to seed in some of those educational elements that will keep people walking through the funnel. I'm going to jump in there, Tyler. The, the, the other important thing to know is that, you know, we, we shot, I think for both of those documentaries, we had over a hundred hours of footage. So the, the final product was not just a, yeah, was not just a, a 15 minute documentary, one and done piece. We really stat, uh, stood back and said, okay, what are the other ways that we can merchandise all of this stuff? What are the other ways? What are the other um, ways that we can essentially cut it up and uh, essentially create those smaller videos? So if you think about this from, okay, if you're a demand gen program manager, a 15 minute documentary may not be the first thing that you think about. You need something that's snackable that because you know that you're fighting for someone's attention in your inbox. So what we did with the most awesome game is we took, we isolated at least 10 of the most insightful clips and we turned those into 20 second videos. So those can easily be distributed either against a media buy or inserted against in an email on a platform like Vidyard, for example. Uh, so there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different assets that from a single shoot and from a, a three-day shoot and a one-time investment, essentially, we came out with, I think, about 12 pieces from the most awesome game. And we're doing the same thing for Revolutionary. So there's a lot of different 
smaller assets that you can use and you can really fit into an e-nurture stream that is specifically focused on either retention, conversion, pipeline acceleration, all of the the day-to-day um, marketing, hardcore capital M marketing concerns that we're all trying to solve. Man, Tyler, I feel like this is one of those scenarios that, like Delaney said, where you need video. Like you got to understand how far people are making it into these videos. And I wonder, I, I mean, I don't know if you even have enough data. Like you said, some of this content just came out as to how many people who started make it to the end versus, you know, same with, you know, your standard two minute video. Well, it's a good question, Randy. And, you know, what we've found is for shorter videos, the two to three minute style videos, uh, you know, a lot of people will self-select out usually about 20% of your audience within the first 10 seconds or so. Um, But then beyond that, there's your steady decline. But on average, about 50% of people will watch those videos to the end for a typical B2B video. As you move to longer form content, not surprisingly, the percentages tend to drop in terms of how many people stick around until the end. Um, You sort of see that same self-selection in the the first, you know, 20 to 30 seconds of the video where you'll see the drop. Um, but then the, uh, the, the the decline is a, a similar kind of trend. But for longer form 15 minute videos or so, you'll often see maybe 20, 30 to 40% of people, depending on the video and the narrative, stick around until the end. But what's interesting is when you use long form content like that, it can actually be a better qualifier of those who are really interested in the story in the market, as opposed to just those who are kicking the tires or happened upon the content. Um, so in some cases, for example, our own team will intentionally create longer form content like that as a qualifying piece because we'll know you know maybe only 20 percent of the people will watch for 10 or 15 minutes but we know that those are the people that are most likely to engage and that we'll funnel over um, to have another conversation with so i think that's really interesting but the other point i'll make on that is we've also seen long form content to be a great way to um, fuel a broader content strategy and if you create your content with the mindset of how can i repurpose this in different ways following the project such as you know creating micro clips of different you know pieces of it you know taking maybe shorter chunks and making them blog posts that can be a really effective way to leveraging both the long form content as well as turning it into shorter form content that can fuel your strategy yeah that's great one of the because one of the things that uh, for your listeners to be thinking about is and we talk about stories is what story do we want to bring to the market and then if you think it what what an asset like this does uh, helps you do is it really helps you plan not just you know a week, two weeks, three weeks in advance, but it helps you plan your entire content for the year or at least six months. And then you can think, okay, well, I'm going to need, uh, if I'm going to tell one big story or three sub, sub stories, that helps you A, shape the kind of documentary you want to tell, but then also guides you in how you want to break it up into those smaller merchandised uh, merchandise chunks, essentially. So I'm curious, Delaney, I mean, sitting here being like, oh, I'd love for us to do something like this, really start to, you know, in our case, understand content marketers and, you know, how they're challenged with leveraging all this content they have. So if I were to do something like that at Uberflip, you know, what's the undertaking to do something like this? I mean, we already know it's at least 100 hours because you told us you had that much footage. Uh, yeah. But, you know, maybe you can give us a, an idea of, you know, when Akamai came to you and, you know, let's take away, you know, any, any debating that people had, but once they were ready to go, you know, what's the amount of time and, and different key stages in this project to get something polished like this out the door? Yeah, that's a big, that's a big, that's a great question because it's not like writing a white paper. It's not like creating an infographic. Um, the, the, the truth is, uh, you're going to, the, the pre-production process is really where the bulk of the work 
happens. And it, I think, uh, you know, you're going to be looking at probably anywhere between six to eight to 10 weeks total, or maybe 12. I would, I would really uh, conservatively, if, especially if this is the first time you've done this, is look for essentially a three month window uh, that contains and it, that contains essentially if the big event that you're going to be at. One of the, there are a lot of different factors that affect the timing, but you do have to give yourself enough time at the beginning of the process when you're you know once once uh, Nelson had bought in saying yes let's do this. Essentially, uh, it was about six weeks before. GDC, the conference, when he knew that A, Akamai would be there and all of the people that we needed to talk to would be there as well. So it's never, um, if I think about my old uh, newsroom days, it's never too early to start working on a story. It's never too early to start doing your outreach and really um, getting people interested. And, you know, recruitment basically is a really important part. So there's recruitment, there's permissions, you know, do you have the permission to film where you want to film? There's dealing with uh, or are accommodating for approvals. If you're talking to customers or partners, you usually have to go through their PR system. So you really, um, you, you, need to, you need to think about what kind of crew you're going to need. There's a lot you really need to bring on. If you don't have those skills in-house, um, you really have to do your due diligence in terms of who you bring on as an outside partner to help you make this happen. Um, they really need to click with you, the um, essentially the agency, the provider or the client, because um, once you get on set or the day of the shoot, you want to make sure that everything goes smoothly, and that's a you have to make sure that the pre-production work uh, goes goes well. So everything from do people know where they're supposed to be? Uh, what's the traffic going to be like? Will there be food for the crew? Uh, it's really, um, you know, it can get really complicated. Uh, we, we did learn a lot the first time we did this. Some of it, uh, you know, we would have done differently, but much like making a video game, you have to go in, follow your passion and just, you know, keep the end goal in mind. Uh, and we, we learned a lot in that first one. And the second shoot that we did was a lot more, uh, a lot smoother. And we um, will be sharing our experiences and a lot of the prescriptive approaches will be uh, very soon on the Vidyard blog. So Delaney, before we move into the, the last portion of this, I just want to ask you one last question, yeah. which is always on the minds of us marketers. And it's, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the, mm -hmm. the ways that they wanted to measure success, but I really want to hone into the ROI component of this. How does a company like an Akamai sure. or a smaller company like one of ours um, think about justifying an investment and building the business case um, to do a video like this? What kind of metrics do they need to be thinking about? What are the measures of success? And, you know, sure. how would they be tracking something like that? Yeah, so the ROI question, that's the what's where, where every marketing uh, content marketing conversation goes. There's a lot of different ways that we can, um, that we can slice this. So uh, just the fact that it exists for a lot of people internally at Akamai was uh, justification. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of excitement uh, from the first one that we did on gaming that sparked the creation of the one on video. So... Um, I know that in terms of a paid media, uh, they're, Akamai is expecting about two and a half million views on, on YouTube. And I know that they, the smaller pieces that we did for the most awesome game will make their way into, um, into e-nurture programs. We don't, they, we don't have, unfortunately we don't have those numbers 
quite yet. But if they were on a program or a platform like Vidyard, I would definitely want to include them in any kind of nurture ROI. I would want to look at them in terms of um, viewer re uh, retention and um, and conversion. I mean, I don't. I'm, I guess it sounds kind of fluffy, but we don't have a lot of hard numbers yet. Um, but I know that Akamai's sales team is very, very excited about this. Um, just in terms of what it says about the company, I know it's sales. People are really, really uh, eager to get their hands on it. Well, I think shooting for a couple million views is, is probably a pretty good start for, for a lot of us. I mean, Randy, that's pretty similar to the targets you guys set for your recent uh, uh, videos on your Uberflip AI launch, which, by the way, were some pretty awesome videos. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. I, I don't know if we had to drop the same number of dollars and hours to produce ours. So our, our ROI requirements are maybe a little bit lower, but uh, but we've had some pretty fun uh, reactions to ours. I mean, you know, I, I think there's so much fun, obviously, you can do with video these days. I mean, whether it's a documentary like this, you know, if, if people haven't seen the videos that Tyler is referring to, we, we had some fun and, and kind of joked around with, you know, some of the things that we, we expect in our day to day day and how they you know come into complicated buying decisions and and I think as Delaney put it I mean it's it's getting tough right you got 6.8 buyers on average that they say weigh into the into that buying decision so we got to kind of find a way to strike a chord with all of them so it's 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 not easy and and I commend you guys for what you guys have accomplished here really cool stuff uh D Delaney we got a couple of time a couple of minutes rather left here it's kind of a lightning round question just to get an idea so one of the fun things that I learned about you outside of work is that you've actually been making home in Colombia yep. the last last little while yep. so if you were to build a documentary mm -hmm. about your life over the last year yep. in Colombia, yep. what would its title be? Uh, the title would be Transformation. Uh, and just a very, uh, a very simple rationale is that this is a very um, interesting, those are my two least favorite words, so I was trying to avoid them. <laughs> very interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating time to be in Colombia. Uh, the, the country is, uh, the security situation has improved tremendously over the last few years. And uh, we've seen a lot of um, either expats coming here or a lot of uh, people who left coming back. The big, big story about Colombia uh, is that it is opening itself uh, to the world. The country has a phenomenal amount of natural resources, natural beauty, and just awesome stuff to share with the world uh, that has been closed off or uh, n just not well known for, for a long time. And I meet a lot of Colombians uh, who are coming back and starting businesses. Uh, they've learned a lot uh, during their time away. They either went to Europe, they went to uh, the United States, and they're coming back with, um, with a lot, a, a more global outlook. And they're changing the country in a lot of really new and exciting ways. There's a real positivity, a real enthusiasm for the direction of the company or the country now, and I'm trying to document it in in um, uh, a new project that uh, that I'm working on. So transformation would be would be the uh, the big the big uh, the big headline story there. 
I like that. It's interesting. It's it's funny. I've had a few people from our company who have taken trips to Colombia in the last year, and my first gut was like, "Are you crazy?" But but I think you know, to your point, there there's a change, right? And it's it's not the associations that we've had, and you know, again, it feels like you know, a great spot for video to kind of you know come in and and reeducate what's going on. So maybe, maybe you've got your next one in there. You got to find the right people to pitch this one to. You know, guys, this is this has been a ton of fun, though. Uh, you know, we're we're out of time here, but if you've enjoyed this podcast, you know, please tune in to contentprospodcast.com to check out all the other great episodes between Tyler and myself. If you want to actually watch the video that uh, that you heard Delaney talk about today, there's a couple of ways to do so. One is go to akamai.com. It's it's on their homepage, as we said. But the other thing to do is check out Demand Spring and go to their website. These guys are doing a great job with a whole bunch of different clients driving revenue. And Delaney, we really thank you for sharing one of the tactics that seems to be a success so far. Uh, Until next time, I'm Randy Frisch on behalf of Uberflip and Tyler Lassard has always been with me from Vidyard and we can't wait to talk to you next time on Content Pros. This is Jay Bear and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com. 